This is the first weekend in Advent, which is such an exciting time. Of course, we know this is the season where we look forward to celebrating the birth of Jesus. We're going to have an awesome Christmas celebration here, Christmas Eve and Christmas Day at Anderson Hills. I'm really excited about that. But it's more than just that, though. In fact, the name Advent actually comes from the word that refers to the second coming of Christ. So Advent is a season of already but not yet. Jesus has already come. He's born of the Virgin Mary. He gave his life for you and for me so that we could have eternal life. That's awesome news. But what is also awesome news is that he's coming back. He's coming back. And so we look forward to his return and we want to live our lives in preparation for his return. So Advent is not just a season of preparing, like, you know, setting up nice trees and all this good stuff. That's great. But it's more than just that. It's also preparing my heart to meet Jesus, to meet him face to face, because that's going to happen. Today we're going to talk about peace. We're going to talk about how we can experience God's peace. This is a key part of how we come to know Jesus, come to trust Jesus when we give our lives to him, that we can experience the peace that only he can give. This was foretold in the book of Isaiah when the prophet was predicting Jesus' birth someday. Chapter 9 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So Jesus himself is the prince of peace. This is one of, one of the things that he is known as. And this series is called Almost Christmas, and, and I want to tell you a little bit about why. Of course, you might say, well, yeah, obviously, because it's almost Christmas. Yes, yeah, sort of, sort of, but there's more meaning than just that. We're actually looking back to a term, goes all the way back to our founder, John Wesley, founder of the Methodist Church. Wesley preached a sermon in about 1741 called the Almost Christian the almost Christian. And it wasn't a compliment, right? You don't want to be an almost Christian. He talked about how so many people that in their Christian lives, what they're striving to do is like, what's the bare minimum that I can do and still go to heaven, right? Like, what's just the, just, just tell me what's that, that line, right? And I'll get right up to that line, right? That's right where I want to be. I don't really want to be all in. I don't want to be too committed to this. I just, and Wesley would call that the almost Christian. It reminded me of a time in college where we were, I was in a class with uh, Dr. Wes Gehrig, who was, um, he's gone on to glory now, but Dr. Wes at the time was in his 80s. He was one of the guys who actually translated uh, the NIV version of the Bible. He was one of the translators in Romans. So you've probably read his work before in, in translation. And Dr. West was, he was incredibly, he was brilliant, um, but he was really tough too. He was kind of an old curmudgeon kind of professor, right? And one day in class, we were debating about uh, this type of thing of like, well, because if, if you can be saved, but then 
stop living for Jesus, is it possible to lose your salvation, right? You know, and Dr. West taught that it is, and, and we were challenging him, right? We're pushing him as, you know, in our 19-year-old brilliance, right? You know, we're challenging Dr. West, and we're like, well, how close can we get, right? Like, where's the line, Dr. West? What about this? What about that? What about that? And he's getting obviously frustrated with us, and he says, you know, I'm, I'm an old man, and, and when I sleep, I don't want to fall out of the bed because that's going to hurt me as an old man. So how do you think I sleep? One of the smart alecks in our class said, with your wife sleeping on top of you. <laughs> Jeez, no, that's not what I'm talking about. He said, I sleep in the middle of the bed, right? And you know, Wesley's talking about this kind of thing, that instead of trying to live like right at the line, like what's barely a Christian, not, not an almost Christian, what would it mean to be an altogether Christian? Like somebody who's all in, who's sold out for this. Years ago here, we did a series called Not a Fan, right? A number of churches did that where we talked about the difference between being a fan of Jesus, where we're like, yeah, I'm kind of into Jesus and yeah, I cheer for him or whatever, but I, I don't really want to I don't really want to have to, like, sacrifice. I don't really want this to cost me something. Uh, I, I, I don't want to be all in, if you will. And Wesley's challenging us in this to be all in. His desire was that we would move beyond the basic surface level, beyond the bare minimum of what it means, and to really be all in in our faith, to do more than just put on a good Christian show, more than just outward appearances, more than just checking some boxes. Know that we would truly love the Lord with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our strength, with all of our being. This is, it's an altogether kind of Christian. And throughout this Advent journey, we're gonna strive to, to, uh, to celebrate an altogether Christmas. Because perhaps we're at the risk of experiencing an almost Christmas. If you think that celebrating Christmas is just a matter of like getting out the trees and the decorations and turning Christmas music on and baking stuff and getting together with friends and family, like that's good. That stuff's awesome. We should do it. But you're missing out. You're missing out on what it's all about, drawing closer to Jesus Christ. What, what if this Christmas, what if when you got to January and you were looking back, you said, you know, I'm closer to Jesus than I was before early December. What if, what if that could happen in your life? What if instead of just saying, well, as I look back, I, I gained a few pounds in December and I, my credit card bills went up and uh, we had some fun though, right? Like what if there was more than just that? What, what, if, what if instead you'd say, you know, I really grew closer to the Lord. That's our prayer for you this Christmas, that it would truly be an, an altogether Christmas, that it would be a Christmas where, where we would truly grow in our love for the Lord. And so today, we're going, to, we're going to talk about peace, how we can experience the peace of Christ in this. When, when I woke up this morning, <laughs> literally before I opened my, my eyes, this verse was on my heart. It said this, says this, Isaiah 26.3, talking about God. It says, you will keep those in perfect peace who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. I like that. Perfect peace. That God will, will keep in perfect peace all of those who trust in him, whose, whose lives are centered on him. And I wonder, as you look at your life right now, 
as you look at your family, as you look at your heart, your, your, your life, would you say that you have an altogether peace? Would you say that you truly feel at peace in life? I'm sure for some would say, yeah, I, I believe that's the case. For others, maybe you'd say, oh no, not at all. My life is the opposite of peace right now. And maybe for others, you'd be somewhere in the middle. The Lord wants us to have this kind of peace, perfect peace. That sounds good. I need that. I want that. In a world where peace often seems so far off, I want to experience that kind of perfect peace. And how does it come? Those who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. So many times our thoughts are fixed on every single other thing in life, and Jesus becomes kind of the last thing, like the, oh yeah, I, I also should pray, right? What if our thoughts were fixed on him? This is the core of what heavenly peace is all about. Heavenly peace, it's, it's, it's something that is it's life-changing. It's, it's life-transforming. We, we sing at this time of year about peace on earth and goodwill towards men, goodwill towards all people. But the reality is that it doesn't feel like we have peace on earth and peace in our hearts. As we look at a world that experiences war and turmoil, as we look at a world that experiences droughts and famine, as we look at a world that experiences divorce, bankruptcy, loss, hurt, layoffs, all these kinds of things, peace often feels so far away. Thankfully, we have a God who is with us, who sees us through to the de destination, no, no matter how far off we may be from him right now. He's drawing us back. He's inviting you. No matter how little peace you may feel, God is offering you his perfect peace right here and right now. Jesus said it this way in John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Jesus isn't just wishing them peace. It's not just a, a simple blessing. He's saying, my peace I give to you. Not the world's definition of peace, but Jesus' definition of peace. This is what he offers us today. In the Old Testament, they would often use a word called shalom. It's a word for peace. And it's, it's more than just like, uh, you know, just not fighting, right? When we say peace, that's what we often mean. Like, hey, nobody's having big conflicts. Nobody's like chucking stuff at each other. That's peace. That's good. But this is more than that. Shalom is talking about an all-encompassing kind of peace. In fact, when Jewish folks greet each other, they oftentimes say shalom when they say hello or shalom when they say goodbye. And it's this all-encompassing, deep-within-your-soul kind of peace. Like, I am reconciled with God, and I am reconciled with others. And so we can have peace, true, deep, meaningful peace. This is the kind of peace that Jesus is talking about. So, so what is the path to this altogether peace? Uh, well, first of all, it begins, as you might guess, with peace with God. You can't have real peace in your life until you have peace with God. 
Yeah, you can get along with others. You can have a level of peace with other people, but you can't find true peace in your life until you have the most foundational peace that there is, that, that, that peace that only God offers. A story was written years ago um, about a man in the 1930s. He, he lost everything in, in a stock market crash. And, and he was going through some really difficult times. He was drinking uh, just to make it through. He was drinking heavily. And he found himself addicted to alcohol. He found himself poor. He found himself depressed and struggling. And so he finally decided that he was going to take his own life. And he decided that he was going to go to the ocean and he was going to swim out as far as he possibly could so there'd be no way of making it back and he was going to die that way. And as he got to the ocean and, and he set foot into the waters, he looked down and he saw something shining down by his feet and it was this beautiful little shell that was, that was kind of floating around there that as the waves came in, this, thing is, this, this shell is kind of floating in the waves and he reaches down and he picks it up to admire creation for perhaps his last time. And he looks at this shell and he, and he admires how small and how fragile it is. Here it is, this shell in, in the midst of this big, powerful ocean, these, these crashing waves that can destroy so many things. And yet this little fragile shell that he could have crushed in his hand, it doesn't get crushed by the waves. How's that happen? Well, he realized that the shell doesn't get crushed by the waves because the shell just goes along with the waves. It, it's not fighting against the waves. It's not trying to make its own course. It's going with the course that the waves are directing it. So it's not crushed by the waves. It's simply moved by the waves. And he looked at this, and he looked at his own life, and he realized that, that the waves of God's power, the waves of God's will were, were, were taken in places. They were trying to take in places, and he's fighting against it. He's fighting against it, and he's trying to go his own way. He's trying to define his own way, and, and, and he's finding himself tired and worn out and ready to give up, ready to throw in the towel. And at that moment, he dropped to his knees there at the beach, and he gave his life once again to the Lord. And he said, Lord, I want to be, be guided by your waves. I want to be guided by your power. I want to stop fighting against that. I want to do your will. I want to live your will. You see, friends, when there's peace with God, the other stuff in life tends to go a lot better. Not that it's always easy. Don't get me wrong. But when we're living in the midst of God's will, we're living in God's best plan for our lives. And he made us. He created us. He knows better than we know. And that's often the problem that in our pride, we think, oh, I know best. My ways are best. The way I want things is best. Really? You know more than the creator of the universe? You know more than the one who hung the stars in the sky? That's crazy. That's crazy. God offers you this peace. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. My friend, what if you were to stop fighting against God? What if this Christmas season you were to say, Lord, okay, I want your way. I want your way in my life. 
I'm tired of trying to do everything my own way. I'm try- tired of trying to live for the substance. I'm trying to, uh, tired of trying to, to live for the next paycheck. I'm tired of trying just to climb some ladder. I want to live for you. I want a life that is sold out for you and the things that really matter to you, God. It's so strange that we tend to look for peace everywhere except the place that it's truly found, and that's in the Lord. We'll never achieve perfect peace until we place our lives in God's hands and live according to his will and his standards. So we find peace with God. The second step to this altogether peace is finding peace with ourselves. And this can be a tough one. This can be a really tough one. Because we can be the hardest on ourselves of anybody else in the world. Because deep down inside, we know our flaws, we know our shortcomings, we know our worst moments, we know the things that could have been that, that, that weren't because of our actions. And it's easy, it's easy to beat ourselves up all the time. To be a people who are defined by shame and guilt. To come to peace with ourselves, it requires an honest look at ourselves. We have to be willing to, first of all, to admit and to confess our sins. And the Bible tells us that when we confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just, he's fair. He, he forgives us our sins and he cleanses us from all unrighteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross, because Jesus paid the price for our sins. So, so now, I, if I'm willing to be honest, if I'm willing to be honest about my sin, about my pride, about my unforgiveness, whatever it is that's stopping peace in your life. If you're willing to be honest about that, the Lord can and will work in you. He'll forgive you. He'll take those things and he'll give you peace. If, is your heart at peace? If not, friend, what's holding you back today? What things are separating you from the peace of God. Are they worth it? Are you gaining anything by holding on to these things? Are you gaining anything by holding on to that pride? Are you really gaining anything by holding on to that unforgiveness? What's it really doing for you? Is it worth sacrificing the perfect peace that Jesus offers? I don't think so. I don't think so. God wants you to have peace in your inner being. Martin Luther, the man whose actions would lead to the Protestant Reformation, he was a restless man. He had a a deep sense of guilt about his own sin. And he, he, would, he would oftentimes groan to his, his senior priest about it. And, and his senior priest would make him repeat this again and again. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. You say, Martin, say it again. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. Say it again. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. And one day he finally grasped the truth when the priest said to him, God is not angry with you, Martin. You are angry with God. Peace, friends, is not the absence of tension or problems within ourselves. Peace is a right relationship with God. Maybe some of us even have anger towards God, and that's causing us to struggle to find peace within ourselves. Peace with God 
leads to peace with myself. God gave his life. Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross so that you and I could have peace, real peace with God. Won't you accept that peace, accept that grace, accept that forgiveness this, this Christmas season? Friends, there's an old expression um, that it's uh, the words pray through. I'm going to pray through this situation. We oftentimes have our own phrase, which is push through, right? When times get tough, I just got to push through. I just got to try harder. I got to push, push through. And there's nothing bad about that. You got to put out effort. You got to try, right? You know, like most things in life don't happen if you just sit there. But, but what if that wasn't your first default? What if when tough times came, what if instead of, of push through being the first, what if pray through was the first? What if I gave that to the Lord, said, Lord, I trust you with this. I trust you with this problem. I, I can't solve it on my own. I'm going to need your strength. I'm going to need your grace. I'm going to need your power. I'm going to need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to, to help me through this. And Lord, where you call me to push through, I'll push through. But I want to start with praying through first. I want to start by knowing you. I want to start by being known by you. When we pray through that inner turmoil, then we can find peace. We can, we can give God the weight that we're carrying. Jesus told us to cast our, our cares upon him because he cares for us. What if that turmoil, what if that weight, what if those things that are, are just holding you back, what if you could give them to the Lord today? You can. What if you could trust him with them? He's trustworthy. What if instead of trusting in your own actions and your own strength, you trusted the Lord? Because it seems pretty arrogant and foolish to think that I can do this better on my own than I could with the strength of the Lord peace with ourselves. It comes from having peace with God. And finally, we need to have peace with others. And this is often where we focus, the outward obvious peace, because when we don't have peace with others, it really shows up. And this is so relevant in our lives as well. The holidays, they can be filled with conflict. Sometimes we can be around people. Maybe even last week you were around people that kind of push your buttons, that stress you out, and you're like, oof, I survived holiday number one. Christmas is only so many days away, right? God wants better for you than that. He does. And, and I get it. It's, you can only do so much on your part, right? But the book of Romans tells us that we should do everything on our side of the equation to live at peace with others, that that's our responsibility, to do everything that I can to be at peace in this relationship. Jesus said it this way in Matthew 5, 9, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. A peacemaker is a person who reconciles peace with God and, and peace with one another. After all, Jesus said, how can you say that you love God if you hate your brother or sister? How can you love God who you can't see if you don't love the people you can see? Our peace with God and our peace with others is very much an intertwined kind of thing. It requires us to take initiative, to, to be bridge builders, 
to, to courageously work at resolving conflicts, to have humility, love, kindness, and compassion. Christmas Eve of, of 1914 in the trenches of World War I in northern France, the, the soldiers were, were lined up, and the British soldiers had been staring down their, their German counterparts engaged in, in months of brutal battle. Already one million lives had been lost in this war, and there was no end in sight. But on that Christmas Eve of 1914, something amazing happened. Uh, a British sentry looked up and he saw in a distance, in a distance, a glistening light on the German line. And as he carefully looked up at it to see, is this a trick? Is this a decoy? He looked to see a Christmas tree, a Christmas tree on the battlefield of all places. And as they listened, they began to hear a very familiar tune being sung with German lyrics. They were singing Silent Night, the German soldiers were. And at the end of singing of this song, Silent Night, the British soldiers, they applauded, and then they sang it in English. And that next day on Christmas morning, an incredible thing happened. The, the soldiers would, would come out of the foxholes, and they would, they would come out of the trenches, and they would, they would meet together, and they would shake hands. They would exchange little gifts and wish each other a Merry Christmas. That's not a normal piece, you know? The fact is, after that, they went back to shooting each other, though. I wish I could tell you that was the end of the war, but it would rage on for another four years. You see, Human peace is, is good. That's a great start. That's an admirable thing. But we're going to need something much more than just that. We're going to need the peace that only God can empower. A peace that is so much deeper. A peace that can only be found when you've got your feet set on the rock of Jesus Christ. A peace that is grounded in a real faith in God. A peace that truly passes, it truly, it truly surpasses all understanding. So I want to take just a few moments and, and just spend some time in prayer, asking the Lord that, that he would give us this kind of peace in our lives, that he would fill us with his perfect peace, the peace that only he can give. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need your peace. Because if it's just up to us, our best version of peace is usually not very good. Our best version of peace is usually one that just helps us and isn't as concerned about others. It's kind of selfish. Our best version of peace often just tolerates our own sin and looks down at the sins of others. We need better than that. Lord, we want to start today just by asking for your forgiveness. God, if we have unconfessed sin in our hearts, would you just bring it to our minds right now so that we can confess these things to you in a few moments of quietness?
name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thank you, God, for your forgiveness and your love. God, I pray for those who are without peace right now. I pray for those who have distance from the ones that they love. Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit, would you touch them? Would you bring healing? Would you bring hope? Lord, in our hearts right now, we name those with whom we're not at peace. Spirit, would you restore? Would you, would you build back those things that the enemy has stolen away? Lord, I pray for the one who's been distant from their children for years or, or even decades. I pray for restoration. It's going to take a miracle, but you are a God of miracles, and I believe that you can do it. a nudge you need to give right now, God, just, just give it. If we need to make a call or an apology or write a letter, just give us that nudge. God, I, I pray for the one who's, who's experiencing distance in their home. Things are cold and oftentimes distant. God, would we have the courage to seek peace? Maybe to have a hard conversation if it's needed, but that we would speak the truth in love and that we would also receive truth in love. I pray for the one Lord who is experiencing inner turmoil. honest, God, sometimes life doesn't live up to what we thought it would be. Maybe there's one who's going through a, a crisis, whether it's midlife or some other time, and we're just not at peace with where we're at. Lord, if, if those feelings are of you to stir up something greater, then we give ourselves to that, and we give ourselves to that greater work. May we be like that shell who submits to, to your will, to being guided and directed as you are guiding and directing us. Lord, if, if those feelings are the result of, of something darker, maybe it just a, if, if that's Satan's voice trying to tear us down, Lord, we would just reject that in Jesus' name. We just speak the power of the Holy Spirit over every person online in this room that we would find peace in you. For the one who needs forgiveness for things so far back, but they're still holding themselves accountable, I just speak forgiveness, Lord. Your forgiveness. Maybe others haven't forgiven us, but you have. Help us to forgive ourselves.
maybe for those who have lived a, a long life and, and they're looking back, Lord, and there's, there's so many examples where there's, there has been peace and others where there hasn't, God. I just pray that, I pray that you would help them to see how you have been at work, how you've been faithful, even when we haven't, how you have never given up even when we were ready to. And Lord, for the one who is so far off today, maybe they feel like stepping into that ocean and ending it all. Lord, I just pray peace. Peace, Lord. Peace of mind. Peace of heart. I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would strengthen, that you would help us to see a brighter tomorrow. For in you, Lord, there's always hope. There's always peace. There's hope of healing and restoration because Jesus, that's why you died on the cross, so that we could be one with you. Lord, would you truly make us one with you? Make us one with each other and make us one in ministry to all the world. We trust in you, God. You are so good. Lord, we thank you for how you've met us in these moments of prayer. And we pray that you would continue to do so throughout this season of Advent as we seek your face. God, we love you. You are so good. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.